Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, a real estate investment program. Listen and learn how to use real estate to build wealth and passive income streams for you and your family. We bring you experts every day to discuss and answer your questions on everything from single-family homes all the way up to 600-plus unit apartment complexes. And now, the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Andy Webb with Lifestyles Unlimited, and as always, we are working on your financial freedom. Hey, if you caught the show last week, uh, or maybe heard the podcast in the, in the interim on our, on our website, you will recall that uh, we, we talked about the, the residential lease agreement, and uh, we covered a, a fair amount of ground on, on last week's show, but uh, there's quite a lot to a, a good, well-written lease. And there's still a lot that I wanted to take a look at, at in that lease with you. So on today's show, we're going to dig in. We're going to take up that topic again. And, and we'll call this show Residential Lease Agreements Part 2. Now, if you did miss the show, uh, be sure to go out to our website. Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and uh, click on the radio tab. And you can find the uh, look for the podcast there titled Residential Lease Agreements part one, naturally. So, and again, if you miss the show, here's, here's just an overview of what we talked about last week. Uh, we, you know, what is the lease? We talked about that and that's worth repeating here in a second. Um, and we talked about setting expectations before you even get to the lease signing stage. This is critical, really. It just sets the tone, uh, with, with your, with your applicant, your future resident, uh, in particular, uh, you want to set that as regards money's due at lease signing. Um, we also talked about where you can go to find a lease if you don't have one, and uh, very important, very important. We we, we discussed in detail the, the new uh, state law here in Texas. I'm in Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, this law it was effective September 1, 2019, and, and addresses late fees. Uh, very important to understand what's changed. Uh, the, the, the Texas property code was changed in this regard, so be sure to go back and listen to that show to catch those details. And, and we hit a few of the the first paragraphs in in the lease you know talked about parties to the lease property you know defining that property real and otherwise for example if you have a shed on the property you need to notate that i uh, talked about lease term uh, ways to collect rent and, and again those uh, those late fees and we also talked about just one of the lease addenda that i felt was very important to address uh, in that show which is the lead-based paint addendum that is a hud requirement by the way if you are operating uh, units that were built before 1978. So you want to be sure you are uh, using that addendum or a variant thereof um, uh, if you have older older property. So so to go back to the purpose of a lease again, I just want to stress this. You know, simply put, it's it is just a contract. It is a contract between you and your tenants or your property manager. 
and the tenants. And, and a good lease, really, it, you, it needs to avoid any ambiguity, okay? It, it should be very, very clear about, you know, each party's obligations, as, you know, during that leasehold while they're occupying your property. And, and I'll also say that, sorry, as far as managing, you know, tenant behavior, a good lease will provide lots lots of, and I don't want to say incentives, rather they're disincentives, I suppose, and, and really I mean sticks and not carrots, right, um, to, to ensure performance. And I want to walk through a number of those to kick off today's show. And I also have to repeat what I said last week. Look, I'm, I'm talking to you as an active investor. I'm someone that buys single-family houses here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and rents them out, sharing some of my experience, some of the things we've learned at Lifestyles Unlimited. And But, but it, as with any contract, and that's what a lease is, you, you're going to want to consult with your uh, real estate attorney or other attorney for you know any specific advice. And as we talk through the lease today, I just want to remind you as well that I, I am a realtor. I'm licensed and I use the Texas Association of Realtor Lease. There are other variants out there. We talked about that on the, the prior show, but that is the version uh, that I will be looking at uh, with you today. I think it's a very well well done uh, lease, obviously. Um, so let's talk about some of those sticks, not carrots, but sticks that you have in your lease or should have, can have in your lease to to ensure performance. And just, you know, the document I have, it's, it's a 16-page uh, document, the base lease, without any of the addenda. And these, these so-called sticks, they're kind of scattered throughout the lease. Obviously, there are the late fees. I'm not going to go into detail on those because we talked about those on the last show. But you want to ensure that your rent is coming in the door on time so you can set late fees. And again, there is a new code in place that will guide you in, in how you set those, how you determine those. So take a, take a look at that new code. But what happens if you collect, a, let's say you collect checks still, uh, or maybe you're doing like I do, which is strictly online payments. What happens if that, if that payment bounces? Well, a good lease is going to define that. Um, in fact, I believe here it just simply says returned payment, paragraph seven. In this case, a uh, tenant will pay landlord blank. You get to fill in the blank. So what is your, what is your cost to have to chase down this, this bounced check or uh, you know, NSF, insufficient fund payment on the, on the electronic side. Um, uh, here I've just written in $50. I think that's a common one that I've seen over the years in other, other leases that other folks do. But be sure to define that, right? There's that stick that encourages that these folks have their payments ready to go, not just giving you a check that they know might bounce. So that can come on top of your, you know, on top of your late fees. And what about animals? Same page here in this lease, you know, you have a pet agreement as a potential addendum to your lease if you're allowing dogs, if you're allowing cats, fish, whatever it is. But if you haven't signed a pet agreement with that tenant and you discover an animal on the property, what do you do? Well, very clearly here within this lease, it defines what I can do. First of all, I can declare the tenant in violation of the lease, in default, basically. Now, in theory, that means I could go the eviction route. Um, but also what it does is it defines a charge, a fee, basically, as, you know, additional rent. Um, and in this case, you know, there's an initial amount in dollar terms and then a per day amount that you can charge as well. And I've seen this in multiple lease variations. Um, I uh, saw one time a, a fella that was leasing his house had the initial amount at $2,000. Seemed very, very high to me, but that's that's what he had and then uh, i think it was ten dollars per day thereafter i think more common initial amount would be five hundred dollars so you say look tenant wh what's this dog doing here looking at the lease this is what we signed i'm gonna have to charge you five bucks or five hundred dollars today 
and ten dollars going forward until you remove the unauthorized pet right <clears throat> what else might there be <clears throat> trip charges we'll talk about trip charges key box use early to ter early termination security deposit and special provisions when we carry on with the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. If you have any questions, the number here in the studio is 855-497-4335. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk 1370. with the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. We're here to answer your questions and help you become financially free. Welcome back to the show. This is Andy Webb, and today we're working on your financial freedom by carrying on our discussion around the residential lease agreement. We started this conversation last week. You can find the show archived on our website, lifestylesunlimited.com. Go to the radio tab. Um, and look for residential lease agreement part one. And this is a, a very meaty topic, of course, lots, lots, lots to talk about. So I wanted to carry this conversation on today with you, uh, part two, so to speak. And, and I'll tell you, if, if you're curious, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, there, there, is, uh, there, there is Texas code um, that dictates what we need to do as, as landlords and what our, what our tenants need to do as, as our tenants. And if you're curious, you can do a search, Google search for Texas property code chapter uh, 92. And that is specifically the chapter that, that discusses residential, um, residential uh, leases. And uh, if you've got some time over the coming holidays, uh, maybe you need to Take a step away from the family, the extended family. Uh, you could give this a read, I suppose, but lots of detail there. But that's what's driving a lot of what we find in in our leases. And we'll talk a little bit about that code here in a second when we talk about the security deposit. We're discussing general, you know, disincentives, uh, ways to encourage, I suppose, your, your tenant to perform to the lease. That's what a late fee is for. That's what your returned payment fee is for if a check bounces or well, maybe that e that electronic uh, payment doesn't go through. Uh, that's what that uh, animal charge is for. If you discover unknown animals uh, being housed at the at the property, and then trip charges. You know, you may go out to the property. You may arrange with the tenant to go by for some reason or other, and they're not available. Uh, or, or worse, you send one of your vendors out. Maybe the electrician. Maybe the plumber. For whatever reason, you or they have arranged a time with 
with the tenant to get into the house, and lo and behold, they're not there. Well, you have a trip charge in your lease. You should have one in there as well. Determine, you know, in my case, it's just a fill in the blank. Determine what amount you feel is appropriate. You know, if the house is farther away from you, maybe that amount goes up. Um, but, but you want to define that. And again, that's just encouragement to your tenant to be present when they say they're going to be. Um, similarly, if you get to the end of your lease and you know the tenant, they've given you their, their 60 day notice or 45, whatever you require in your lease to notify you in writing that, the, that they want to end the lease term. Um, you get to, you, you need to market the house, of course. And part of that marketing involves showing the house. Um, if you're working with a realtor, first thing they're going to want to do is hang a key box or a lock box on the front door so that they and, and other realtors, other parties will have access to show the house. Um, I'll tell you, some people object to that. We have had tenants object to that. They don't want people going in and out of the house when they're not there. And that makes it a little bit more difficult for, for us to market the property, of course. And well, naturally our lease, um, it handles that situation for us. There's a paragraph in here related to the key box, right? It defines what a key box is. It's a locked container, so on and so forth. And basically it says that the tenant authorizes landlord or property manager or broker, realtor, realtor in, in short, uh, to place a key box on the property during the last fill in the blank number of days of the lease. Is that 30? Is that 45? Is that 60? You determine that, of course. But if they don't want to do that, they can, they can withdraw this authorization. The lease provides for that. But guess what? They're going to pay a fee. And fill, again, fill in the blank. Typically, it's going to be equivalent to one month's rent. That's what we set ours uh, to because that's what I'm probably going to lose as I have to wait around to show the house. Um, you could do it higher. You could do it lower. I don't know why you would, but 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 you fill in the blank there. So that's again just another uh, incentive to uh, get cooperation from from your from your tenant. Uh, similarly, let's say they have. Uh, we've had this happen a couple of times recently. In fact, job changes or the the employer has has seen fit to move the tenant across the country. Um, there are provisions in here for early termination, and again, uh, they're not performing to the lease if they're getting out. And you don't have to let them out, of course, but it does provide that, hey, if, if I, landlord, do see fit to go ahead and release the property, um, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to charge you some percentage of one month's rent. Here again, fill in the blank. Is it a full one month's rent? Is it 200%, 50%, whatever you want to do? You can allow the tenant to find that new resident for you, or you can decline that. You can say, I have to do the process, whatever. It, it, it gives you those options here, uh, but you can charge, okay? And again, that gives the incentive to the, the resident to not suddenly move out one or two months ahead of, uh, end of end of the lease without letting you know. Um, and of course, I think the biggest stick of all in here is the security deposit. And again, here's where you're going to be really want to really be close to, to the property code because the, the property code is very, very um, thorough in, in its handling of security deposits, both for your obligations as landlord and the tenant's obligations. Uh, and I want to call out one paragraph in particular uh, it's it's titled this is under the in, in my lease under paragraph 10 security deposits got a number of items here uh, but notices about security deposits it, re it references specifically uh, chapter 92 paragraph 108 in the property code and it says that the tenant may not withhold payment of any portion of last month's rent on grounds that the security deposit is security for unpaid rent that's not what it's there for and in fact it goes on to say bad faith violations may subject a tenant to liability up to three times the rent wrongfully withheld and any landlord's reasonable attorney fees. The point is this, 
And if you've got folks, we got a lot of folks moving to Texas right now. And if you are listening outside of Texas, you know, everything we're talking about here today will be reflected in your state code as well. So take a look at that. Uh, talk to your local real estate attorney if you've got questions in, in building out the lease. Security deposits, again, are, are uh, very highly held, and um, they're going to be handled very much differently in different states. For example, here in Texas, I could double that deposit if I don't like your credit score. Uh, in some in some states, you, you you may not do that. You're not allowed to. It's, it's, it's set in your local code. So check that out. Um, but we have a lot of folks moving into Texas now from other other states, and the point is the leases are structured more it, they're structured differently. And in some cases that 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 deposit it may be held as last month's rent. Some people do collect first and last month's rent at lease signing. okay? But you want to be very, very clear with your tenant with your resident at lease signing, and I would say again when they give you their notice that that security deposit is not rent. Okay, and in fact, when we set our security deposit amounts, if my rent is $1,000, I'm going to set my security deposit at some other number that is not 1000 just to avoid confusion. Typically a little higher, typically offset by 50 maybe $100, so let's call it $1,000 rent, $1,100 uh, security deposit. And again, that just helps underscore the fact that, tenant, this is not your last month's rent. This is here to ensure your adherence uh, to our, our lease agreement. And then finally, uh, one other place where you, if you don't find what you need in, in your lease, if you're using a, you know, a fixed copy lease like I do, um, at least in our case, we've got a paragraph in here just called, simply put, special provisions. We had a call last week from uh, HP down in Austin, and he uses that special provisions to add some language to enforce performance to the lease as well. So if there are things that you're missing or you feel you'd like to add, um, that's the place to do it. Again, then I would consult your attorney because you are you are fe effectively changing uh, changing the the document at that point. So that's those are the number of sticks we got a lot in our in our favor to help us as landlords, especially here here in Texas. So make sure you're you're aware of those. Make sure your lease does have those so that you can ensure performance to your lease uh, on the part of the tenant. Now moving forward, I want to talk about a couple of things that we as landlords are obligated to do. And there, there are a couple that I see that, that people miss quite a lot. And I don't want you to get hurt um, or, or charged or have some sort of penalty uh, because you're, you're missing these items. And, and again, I see these. T-Mobile the has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Problems quite often, especially with folks that... Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. 
Now, let's get back to your map to financial freedom. Welcome back to the show. This is Andy Webb, and today we're working on your financial freedom by discussing the residential lease. This is a key document that you as a landlord or investor in you know, multifamily, even if you're passive, need to understand and um, you know, be, be aware what is in your lease and make sure you've got a rock-solid lease. Uh, one that has no, you know, no ambiguity. You want it to be very clear. You want it to very clearly define your obligations as landlord and obviously the obligations of your tenant. And we talked earlier in the show about some of the um, disincentives, I suppose, some of the sticks that you might build into your lease just to, you know, ensure performance. And there, there are any number related to different parts of your business. Sending out a vendor might incur a trip charge, for example, if you're uh, if your tenant does not show up and it does not is not available as as planned to let the the, the vendor in, let's say, and and over the break I, I got a call from uh, Susie in Houston, um, and now she didn't want to go on there, and that's okay. But Susie, you had a question about um, how how can you pressure a tenant uh, into giving you an answer about renewal. Now I didn't speak directly with Susie; the producer did, so I didn't get any questions out to you, Susie. But but I'm going to assume you're coming up on the end of your lease. Obviously, if you're talking about uh, the renewal term, and and really, you, you want them to stick around, I guess, if they've been good tenants. Uh, but you need an answer. You need to know what's going on, and and hopefully your lease provides. For example, ours does. Um, it provides for what happens at termination. It, in fact, it provides for automatic renewal. So if if the tenant, there's going to be a notification period that the tenant has to uh, abide by in order to terminate the lease in, 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 for example, 60 days. So they've got to give you a notification in writing 60 days before the original lease or your extended lease period ends. So let's say it's December 31, it needs to be 60 days before that in writing that they're gonna terminate. If they don't do that, then the lease, at least in our language, automatically renews on a month to month basis, okay? And again, what can you do then? You haven't heard from them. Maybe you're expecting it to renew, but you don't know what's going on. Well, you can do a couple of things. You can give them notice on your side. Look, I'm not playing games. We're not going to renew the lease. That ball is in your court. Uh, alternatively, let it roll month to month, but give them 30 days notice of a rent increase and take the rent up. Um, typically, what we like to do is if we're going to go, if we're entering that renewal period, we'll offer our regular terms for the next year regular lease amount, and if they want to let it roll month to month, we're, we're typically, we're okay with that. It's a little bit more uncertain for us, and because of that, we take the rent up quite a bit. So that's the stick that we, we employ to um, get uh, cooperation, basically, get them to decide, no, I just need to go ahead and move on, or yes, I'm going to sign the lease. So I think those are the couple of um, levers you might you might pull to uh, get some cooperation or get some, some feedback. But at the bottom line, your lease should tell you what happens, right? It should tell you what's going to happen if they don't answer you, if they don't give you any any information in writing that they want to terminate. So take a good look at your, your lease. If I haven't fully answered your question, send me an email to askandy at luinc.com. There may you know, maybe more to your, your, your question there today. So I want to, I want to carry on. I want to talk about a t something in particular that I see um, when I go into houses that folks uh, have on the market for lease Sometimes, you know, sometimes these are for lease with a realtor. Sometimes these are listed without the help of a realtor, maybe on Zillow. And, and what I've noticed over time is a lot of folks aren't really following the property code very well. And, and in particular, uh, there's a part of our lease 
that, that strictly calls out the property code as it, re as it relates to security devices and locks. And if you're, if you're not familiar with the property code, you can go to statutes.capital with an O, capital O with an O, .texas.gov, and there's a little drop-down. You can pick the uh, Chapter 92, which is the uh, residential tenancies uh, uh, property code. And, and down, down below, subchapter D of that, of that chapter, you'll, you'll find some information on security devices and on exterior locks. And, and this is what I see happens. Folks have been living in their house for years with their family, and um, maybe they get married. Now they've got two houses, and rather than sell one, they consolidate into, into one of the two houses, and they say, hey, let's rent out this other house. Great idea. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Um, but they're not well informed, and they're not following the property code. And sometimes they, they, got, they have these houses listed with a realtor that apparently doesn't know the code either, and the house is not set up properly. And, and in particular, um, the Texas state code does require that you have certain locks on your property. You, obviously, on the front door, let's say you've got the keyed entry. Maybe you've got a keyed deadbolt. Inside the house, though, you've got to have some means that allows the tenant to basically lock you, landlord, out. And what I'm talking about is either a, a keyless deadbolt or one of those. You've probably seen them maybe at Home Depot for 10 bucks. the, the little C-locks. Now, there are all kinds of other locks that you can install on your door. They do not adhere to property code. So be sure to check out the property code and see what, you know, what is allowed. Um, and they, they address specifically regular exterior doors as well as sliding doors. There are certain things you need to do on sliding doors regarding pins. Now, personally, I like to take out the sliding doors during our rehab and put in the French doors. Um, the, the sliding doors seem to fail on me a little too frequently. So I, I, get, I get around addressing those, those locking devices, I suppose, in that manner. But um, also, you, you need to have a door viewer on each exterior door. And, and I love this with our vendors at Lifestyles Unlimited. You know, when we got started, I had no idea. I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. Obviously, over the years, you know, we've taken a lot of the seminars, a lot of the online courses that Lifestyles offers, and we've learned these things. But also, just out the gate, the contractors that we were working with, the general contractors, they know this stuff. They know what we as landlords need to be doing. So I would see in their bid, keyless deadbolt. I would see in the bid, pin for, you know, that sliding door. I would see in the bid, uh, door viewer, you know, the little peephole for the door going into the garage, by the way. That is considered an exterior door, as well as the front door and any other uh, uh, access points you might have. So the, the vendors, they know, they've been doing this for, you know, years, decades in some cases, and, and they know how we need to perform, and, and they back us up, basically. Um, and, and if you're not familiar with uh, what we offer at Lifestyles Unlimited, I want to encourage you to come out to one of our free workshops uh, again, go to the website, lifestylesunlimited.com. Uh, there's a free workshop button, and we've got those going on across Texas. We've got those going on across the nation, in fact. And uh, you can learn a little bit more about what we do. You can learn about the vendor list that we have, which is where I've pulled a lot of these guys from that, that, that we use and have been using for, for years now and that, that, that know about this stuff. Another thing is smoke alarms. Um, I see uh, noncompliance when I'm walking into these other houses uh, that folks are trying to lease out. Uh, from time to time, and 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 again, they're they're often not not in compliance around smoke alarms. And again, serious serious item. This is called out in my lease here as well from the Texas Association of Realtors. It it points to the specific uh, subchapter and the fact that um, the 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 property code requires the property be equipped with with smoke alarms in certain locations. Right, you need to have those in in the bedrooms, and typically in the halls that are immediately off of those bedrooms. 
Um, kitchens, maybe, maybe not. Uh, sometimes this is going to come down to your local city. Um, a lot of the cities will go above and beyond what the what the state code requires. So when you are going into a new area, a new part of a new town, let's say that you're not familiar with, I, I always recommend that you give a quick call down to the um, the the code enforcement office or the building. Uh, department. Those are typically one and the same. And, and those are the guys that if you do have to do, for example, a a rental inspection prior to occupancy to get that green tag, they're the guys that are going to come out and take a look around. And um, if I've gotten flagged in the past, it's typically because I was not informed in a new mun- municipality about the requirements around smoke detectors. And often we've always had the smoke detectors, but sometimes they need to be hardwired into the electrical system and enter inter, uh, what, what is it called, interplaying, where if one goes off, they all go off and so on. But that's where you're going to need to talk to those uh, local local municipalities. So those are two areas, though, that if you are listening and you're not currently a landlord, but you've got that house that you're, you're moving out of and you're thinking, hey, I'd, I'd really like to rent this out. Again, I encourage you to do that. That's a great idea. Check around, see what your market rent is, and are you going to cover your, you know, your base costs, your mortgage, et cetera. Um, but be sure you're getting informed and, and make sure you are adhering to the property code because we don't want you to get hurt. We don't want your tenants to get hurt. We don't want you to, uh, you know, get a suit or anything like that. And, and again, if you're not sure how to get that education, go to lifestylesunlimited.com and uh, click on the free workshop button and, and check out where we've got those going on near you. When we continue with the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, we're going to break down the rest of the lease for you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Warning, listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show will change your life. We will teach you how to create wealth and passive income so you can be financially free. And now, back to your host. Welcome back to the show. This is Andy Webb, and today we're working through the residential lease agreement uh, here. Just taking a look at the one that I use here in Texas. Um, this is from the Texas Realtors, Texas Association of Realtors. Are uh, there any number of lease agreements available to you out there? Now, this is part two of a two-part show. If you missed part one, you can go out to lifestylesunlimited.com, click on the radio tab, and find that show for the residential lease agreement part one. And I want to jump through a couple of quick points here in 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 the lease um, utilities let's see utilities you know we don't provide utilities I'm a single-family uh, landlord so we that would be prohibitively expensive if you're running apartments that may look a little bit differently you may have a master meter to where you can't uh, immediately you know try, you know those aren't immediately just billed directly to the cl- uh, to the tenant uh, you may need to, some sort of a rubs uh, program where you charge those back on a prorated basis but at least in our lease, we simply write in the blanks, tenant to pay all utilities. I want nothing to do with their electricity, their gas, their water, whatever else they've got going on there. 
Um, and they are encouraged in the lease to confirm that everything they need is available, especially in terms of Internet providers. Um, we have run into issues in the past where folks work from home and have had difficulties getting the service. In fact, one of the AT&T, one of the big providers had to actually run new lines uh, for for this family. So encourage them to check that uh, before you know, before signing with you. Let's talk about guests. Uh, our, our lease gives a place, has a place, and, and, and the leases we've used in the past before this, um, where we can define how long guests are allowed to stay. Uh, maybe it's two weeks, 14 days, 15 days, something like that. Bottom line, you don't want a, a, a de facto tenant moving into your property. So you do want to define how, how long folks can stay there. Now, how do you track that? That's a difficult question, of course, but you want it in your lease anyhow so that you have that, that leverage. And kind of ancillary to that, I, I view it anyhow, are parking rules. And for obviously, if you're an apartment owner, this is a big one. Um, for, for us as single family, though, we can define that as well. And the lease I'm looking at, we have defined it as three vehicles. Um, you know, I don't know if there are multiple adults in this property, but um, again, that might clue you in. If suddenly there are four, five, six vehicles at the property. Now, maybe their kids have come of age and they're driving now that, you know, that that may be the thing going on there, but it may be a clue to you that, hey, do I have, quote unquote, guests on the property that are overstaying that 14 uh, or 15 days and start having a conversation to make sure those folks um, are not in, in default. Now, moving condition, you know, I'm just going to read this to you verbatim. Landlord makes no express or implied warranties as to the property's condition. Tenant has inspected the property and accepts it as is, provided that the landlord and it fill in the blank. And we just always simply put as is that we've done what we've done to the property. We offer best product at best price. So I'm telling you, the thing is going to be in good shape. Um, we're not going to change out the carpets because they're they're reasonably new. We've done the deep clean, et cetera. I've had some odd requests over the years, but. Um, fundamentally, the moving condition is as is. And part of your lease should be an addendum that is the inventory and condition form. And upon move-in, there are different ways to do this, but you're going to give this five, six-page document to your tenant um, and say, all right, and the lease in this case is going to give me fill-in-the-blank days, three, five, seven, whatever. Maybe your plan is to do it on the spot with them, but you're going to have them walk through the property and notate their move-in comments. It's the, they're just documenting the condition of the property. And in this case, I've got a exterior items, mailbox, fences, pool, spa, don't have those, lawn, you know, roof, gutters, patio door, and so on, garage, entry, uh, bedroom one, bedroom two, master bedroom, master bath, ceilings and walls, paint and wallpaper, door, blah, 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 so on and so forth. They just need to document the condition. And in my experience, most people are not very thorough with this. And if your lease says it needs to be back to me, by you know in three days if it's not there in three days this this addendum is not is no longer valid right the bottom line is we don't want them sitting on this till two weeks three weeks have passed there maybe their kids have gone through and done some damage and at that point that's we don't want to be liable for that so if they can't document that in a timely fashion uh, that's a problem now as part of your move-in uh, what you should be doing and I've got I use a, an app on my phone called Trello where I've loaded my move-in process it's about 20 steps each of the things that I want to talk about. And, and, and I may tailor that to a specific property because they're all a little bit different. But among other things, as we do the move-in, we're going to show them, for example, where the water shutoff valve is. So if they are having a, a, a freshwater uh, leak under the slab somewhere, they know where to go to turn it off. In fact, we give them the curb key with which they can do that. I don't assume they've got the, the, the wrenches or whatever they need to do that. And in fact, on my inventory and condition form, it says water shut off valve located. Yes. Electrical breakers located. Yes. We always show those to them. You know, if they're having a problem with the AC, sometimes it's a simple 
uh, flip of the breaker off, wait 15 minutes, flip it back on, allows the unit to reset. Um, but we want to show them that. Other things we do, you know, anything unique to the property. Uh, we test the smoke detectors in front of them, right? Uh, in fact, there's a spot on the last page, smoke alarms, number of units tested, yes, no. Well, I've done that. I've observed that they're working in front of you. You know, you can, you can document as well and then t test all the door locks and so on. Uh, you can notate the number of door keys you've given them. Uh, if you are in an apartment owning, you know, apartment owner, mailbox keys and so on, garage door remotes, one or two. Um, and then I just pencil in there or pen in there the, the, um, the, the curb key that I've given them. We used to give smoke, um, or rather, uh, what am I, fire extinguishers, sorry, drawing a blank there, thinking about smoke detectors. We used to give uh, fire extinguishers, but uh, we, we no longer do that um, because as soon as you give them this thing, you now need to test it annually, make sure it's working. Um, so we've dropped that from our personal process. Um, but that inventory and condition form, very, very important. But you as landlord, even before you do that walkthrough with them, what you or your representative should do is get a whole full suite of pictures of the property, right? You want to document the condition. It's helpful sometimes in walking a, a vendor, a, a contractor through repairs because, oh, yeah, I see that this is what it looked like before. This is what the tenant just sent me a picture of, you know, please do this. Um, but it also it serves as further documentation when they move out. You can show them, well, this is what it looked like before. This is what I got a picture of now that you've moved out. Clearly something's happened there. Um, you're at fault, uh, and, and you can put that on, you know, deduct that from the uh, security deposit. Um, as far as maintenance goes, let's talk about that as well. An important one, right? You've done your best. We offer best product, best price. That is the, the lifestyle's motto. Um, because we want everyone to have a good, a good living experience within our houses. That keeps them as long-term tenants. We've got guys that have been rehab the house, rented it out. They're still there. Uh, in fact, most of our portfolio is like that because we are doing a best product, best price approach. But occasionally you will have maintenance issues and the lease should provide very clearly how that operates. Tenants' responsibilities, landlords' responsibilities. Under maintenance, it talks about yard maintenance. Uh, I want the tenant to do that. I put a, 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 a fill-in-the-blank item in there concerning the uh, watering the foundation here in Texas is important. If you're outside of Texas, you're probably wondering what I'm talking about, but our clay soils move all over the place if they're not if they don't have a consistent level of moisture. So we do want the tenants uh, watering those uh, periodically. Tenant at tenant ex tenant's expense will maintain the yard. And then certain prohibitions, right? No hazardous materials. Uh, don't want them doing, you know, auto repair in the garage, that sort of thing. And then what happens if they fail to maintain, right? If they fail to perform. Very, very important as well as regards maintenance and repairs. All repair requests must be in writing. And this is something that may take you some time to properly educate your, your residents. Um, but bottom line, you hear all the time about ta tenants, taxes, and toilets, that, that midnight phone call about the toilet. Well, you know what? My repair requests must be in writing. I don't get those phone calls. Occasionally, when the AC goes down in the summertime, if it happens, um, I may get a call. I'll kindly remind them to send me that in writing because I want the documentation and that's what my lease provides for. And in fact, it says ordinarily a repair to the heating and air conditioning system is not an emergency. Now there is an emergency number if there is a true emergency and we tell them at walkthrough what that is. Typically it involves water. Water is the enemy in the property, um, be it from the roof, be it from a, a plumbing break, whatever it may be. Uh, so there are times when we absolutely want to call, but we discourage the, the calls. Uh, we let them know that we, this is a business 
and I may be out of pocket on the weekends. You may be sending me emails. I may not respond till Monday. I'll certainly read them personally, right? I want to know what's going on if there is something I need to address uh, quickly. But um, I strongly encourage you to, to, to get that in your lease, that all repair requests must be in writing. Stress that when you do your walkthrough, because it's going to make your life, if you're self-managing like I do, it will make your life a lot, a lot easier. And you may have some older school tenants where the telephone, they just grab that thing and they call. You're going to have to train them. But over time, you'll, you'll get that done. And that concludes what I really wanted to talk to you about on, on the lease today. We've hit a lot of the big topics on last week's show and then again today on uh, part two of the uh, lease agreement show, residential lease agreements. Uh, if you have any questions for me, if I didn't get to something you wanted to, to know about, you can send me an email to askandy at luinc.com. Again, my email is askandy at luinc.com. Or, uh, better idea, uh, Get involved with Lifestyles Unlimited. Find out where we've got that next free workshop going on near you. We've got those going on in all the major cities here in Texas. Uh, we've got those going on, in fact, uh, around the around the country. We are, are actually national. We just opened a, a new branch in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So uh, I'm sure we've got those going on near you there. I see some coming up um, early next year in Denver, Portland, Seattle, um, Salt Lake City, Indianapolis. So again, go to lifestylesunlimited.com and uh, click on the free workshop button to see where we've got this going on. And remember, it's all about the lifestyle. It's not about the money. Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit LifestylesUnlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. Join us next time. And until then, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com.